Welcome to the AccuSmile Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. Welcome back to the AccuSprout Podcast. We are going to be talking about how to sell herbs in your clinical practice. I want to, before I start, I want to give a special thanks to Carrie Guillen for reaching out to me to ask me to do this episode. Did you guys know that you could do that? You are fully, fully, fully welcome to contact me and ask me questions, or if you have a suggestion for the show, please reach out. You can do that 
at the AccuSprout website. It's AccuSprout.com and go to the contact me page and you can fill out a little form and shoot me a question anytime you want. And I love, love, love hearing from you and giving you specific information that you are truly, truly looking for as opposed to just continually riding the content treadmill of doom that I do sometimes. So reach out to me. Let me know if there's something else that you want me to really focus on and I will be happy to do so. Okay, let's talk herbs. In today's episode, I'm going to cover the legal requirements you must follow to prescribe herbs, including state and federal guidelines, what to look for when you're purchasing herbs from a distributor, and what you need to know about reselling versus dispensing versus creating products for your patients. So before I start, I want to just sort of give a disclaimer because obviously I'm not an attorney. <laughs> I don't play one on TV either, but the content that I'm providing is totally for your educational purposes. So if you are really looking at the legal aspects of this and you still have questions after this podcast, feel free to reach out to an attorney and ask them those questions. Okay. So starting off, we're going to take a look at the state laws in the United States. So my apologies to my international listeners. We are going to cover some U.S. stuff first. So the only states, you know, one of the things that you need to look at when you're prescribing herbs is what is in your scope of practice according to your state. There are five states, six states, well, five states in Washington, D.C., that have specific requirements around prescribing herbs. So these are the states that the licenses that you need to practice medicine, specifically herbs, are Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, and Washington, D.C. These states actually require oriental medicine certification or Chinese herbology certification, which you guys know if you pass the herbal board, this is what they're looking for, basically, is the NCCAOM herbal board is what you need to pass in order to be certified to practice in Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, and Washington, D.C. Now, there are two other states that are really bizarre, of course. So Pennsylvania actually doesn't require an acupuncture cert certification, but they do require the Chinese herbal ex herbology exam in order to practice herbs. Same thing with Vermont. Acupuncture certification is not required. However, you do need to pass the herbal board in order to practice in Vermont. So real slow, real quick. Those are the states, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Vermont, and Washington, D.C. So I want to talk a little bit about insurance. This is one of those questions that you should have for your insurance company, whether or not they cover your practice of herbology, right, of your herbs. I love CMNF, CMNF here in the U.S., and they basically have told me that they cover whatever is in my scope. What that means for us is that you need to go to your state, whatever state you live in, and take a look at everything that's written up as far as what is in your scope of practice. So a company like CMNF will, will no matter what state I'm in, if part of using herbs is a part of the scope of practice, then my insurance company will cover that. Okay. I'm not sure 
if they'll cover it, get this, think about this. If you think that you're going to do herbs and treat herbs in a telehealth situation across state lines, my guess is you really want to check with your insurance on that. Before we get into the details of reselling and dispensing, let's cover some pretty basic elements that you need to be aware of. In the United States, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has regulations in place that are basically designed to ensure that food, drugs, and cosmetic products are consistently produced and controlled according to quality standards. So these regulations are known as the current good manufacturing practice. Practices, you'll see that as CGMPs. And they can be found in the Code of Federal Regulations, Title 21. Anyway, you'll often see the older term, term GMPs in lieu of CGMPs. But this is one of the things that you need to look for when you're purchasing from a distributor. So when you purchase from an herbal company, you want to make sure, A, they follow CGMP. You also need to take a look at all of the other steps and ethical practices that your favorite companies undertake to ensure the safety of your patients. I use Springwind for bulk herbs because they pretty extensively test their herbs for the proper species, pesticides, heavy metals, and organic status. And I love that. They also have really amazing customer services. Pretty small company, so to speak. Like They don't have a million employees, so you can really talk to people which I love. And I, I love bulk herbs, but I would not say if you're a new practitioner, don't go that route because, or not yet at least, because they're, it's an expensive way to do herbs and people, probably your compliant patient is in the like 5% range. So literally 5% of the people will actually comply and cook their herbs and take them. So I want to talk a little bit about reselling versus dispensing versus product development. As an herbalist, you can make and give things to your patients. To sell them to the general public or to market them is is a bit different. And I know this just crushes your creative souls because I also got out of school and wanted to like make all these great products and sell them all over the place. But there there's really a lot of guidelines that you have to follow to do something like that. However, you can make things for your patients. With regards to reselling things, some things that you might consider reselling are patent formulas, tinctures, topicals, moxa sticks, herbal skin products, salves, therabands, all sorts of things in, the, in those categories. These are items that you purchase from a wholesaler like Blue Poppy or Golden Needle or Lhasa OMS that you then adjust the price and resell for profit. So here are some things that you need to consider when reselling. You need to check, number one, you need, you need to find out if you need a reseller's permit. That's probably going to be a state, city, or county thing. So you'll need to do some research with that. I have never had to have a reseller's permit to sell herbs. Two, does the company that you're purchasing from have specific regulations with regards to reselling? For example, Clinical Pearls, which is Heiner Fruhoff's company, has very specific reseller rules. You need to make sure that you have an account set up with your state, city, and possibly your county to pay excise taxes. So these are the sales taxes that you collect. So usually they're paid quarterly. So make sure when you're looking these things up that though I've said this before because this got me 
hung up when I was new. Make sure that your e- that your URL ends in .gov or whatever your state is, maybe .wa for Washington or .id for Idaho or whatever. Make sure that your URL ends there because this is how people will catch you and sell you stuff that you don't need because you think you're on an official website. So make sure that they end in .gov or dot, it may even be .dor. Like I think it's .dor. WA for us, the Department of Revenue at Washington. So be sure and do your research on this and find out if you actually need to collect state sales tax for supplements. If your state collects sales tax, you will have to pay sales tax on hard goods. Like if you're selling a gua sha tool, that is something you'll have to collect sales tax because obviously that's not a supplement. Okay, number four. So you're going to set your price. So how do you do this? How do you know how to set your price? So basically, you sometimes there will be like an MSRP, which is manufacturer suggested retail price. And that's just a suggestion. You can price things however you want. Um, with my patents personally, unfortunately, I actually often look on Amazon and then charge a couple dollars under what Amazon is charging just to encourage my patients to support me instead of ordering online. Because obviously you can find a lot of these products online and you don't want your patients out there undercutting you and they will. And it's sad when it happens and they just don't understand. So I usually take a gander at what's on Amazon, specifically the brand that I'm using. So I love Blue Poppy, but I also know that that Blue Poppy also distributes on Amazon. And so I just check the price there and then charge a couple dollars under. So number five, you can be audited by the IRS. <laughs> so as soon as you purchase an item with the intent to sell it for profit, you are absolutely required to include that income when you file your taxes. So a good way of doing this if you don't have an EHR, as I, I use Square, I think I've talked about this before, but I use Square um, and then I set Square up to charge the proper amount of sales tax for herbal supplements and I have that as a category on Square and that's how I run my report. So I can actually pull up a quarterly or monthly report showing what how much I sold and how much I collected in sales tax only just in that one spot. If you have an electronic health record system, it'll keep track of all of this and you can program it specifically. Not only that, some of them will also keep track of your inventory, which is nice. But as soon as you're selling products, if you're not registered with your state and filing your taxes, you really are opening yourself up to an audit with the IRS. So be sure to keep track of the taxes that you collect and then pay them quarterly. Number six, so price setting. So in general, honestly, reselling is is legal. And I had a question around this. Can you purchase something and then resell it? Yes, actually, the Supreme Court ruled in several cases that if you purchase something, you are the owner and you can sell or resell it as you see fit. In fact, that's actually the way you know our market and commerce systems work kind of throughout the world, right? So nearly every physical business is based on purchasing an item and reselling it for a higher price. So this is exactly what you're going to do. And you do get to choose the price with which you get to sell it at. So don't worry about that. Purchase, resell. Number seven, record keeping. So we already talked about how to keep records on your taxes, but you also absolutely need to chart what you sold. So be sure to indicate the date you prescribed it, the strength or how much and how often you told the patient to take it. 
I also usually make a note about when they should be finishing up. So as I treat, I can go, I can look back and keep track of what I might prescribe next. I usually do this in in the beginning. Like I'll think of like three different formulas that might really treat this particular challenge. And then I prescribe one of them, but note the others just in case I missed something and things need to to change a little bit. So you might want to keep track that way. Anyway, so, and then depending on on where I think their pattern might change to in the future, I usually have thoughts in my head about that too. And I note those in the in the chart notes so that I don't have to go back and think about all of that all over again. So it's a pretty basic thing that I do, but it is something that has been, saves me time and is pretty beneficial. So the note section is just a part of my soap notes where I communicate with the future me sometimes. But something that I want you to truly remember, if a patient or another practitioner requests copies of medical records, they will see that. Okay. So briefly, like, again, I said this earlier, but as an herbalist, you can make things to give to your patients. So you can make and you can make any topical you want. You can create all sorts of different products, but because you're distributing them to your patient, then you're working in your scope. If you make these products and you mass sell them, there's a whole different line of guidelines that goes along with that. So what we're going to talk about right now is dispensing. Basically, dispensing just means that it would include the formulas that you create specifically for a patient and create using like granules or raw herbs. So the following dispensing suggestions can actually be found on the NCCAOM website, and the link will be in your show notes under references, or if your show notes don't hyperlink and you can't, or you can't find them, you can always look on the AccuSprout website on this particular show notes for this particular episode. I want to cite that they, they came from a document called The Best TCHM Compounding and Dispensing Practices, prepared by the AH, AHPA in 2017. Their guidelines are actually the best out there currently with regards, and they're also cited by the NCCAOM and ASA on their websites. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of information that is just quick and super helpful, I think. So let's talk about labeling The herbal prescription label should include all of the information required by your state and federal law as as applicable and then accepted standards of practice, including the presence of any major food allergens. Now, the companies that you purchase your granules from should have the allergen information on their labels. So you can just transfer that information to your labels. So this is for if you are creating a personalized or if you're putting granules in a new bottle, you need to label that new bottle that you're going to give to your patient with these things. So the herbal prescription should be labeled at a minimum with the following. It should have the patient's name, number one. Number two should have the herbal prescription name. Number three would be the dosage form and strength. Number four would be the preparation date. So it's the date that you actually mix those herbs up and put them in that container, which often. And then number five is the dispensing date. So if the patient didn't pick it up that day, then you would note on the label the date that they did pick it up. So dispensing just means the date that it was dispensed. You need to put the name and address, your name and address. And if you have a control number, you can put a control number on there. So in addition, 
The following has to be on your prescription labels as well. Number one, a complete list of ingredients, including the inactive ingredients. Num excuse me. Number two, a declaration if, if there's alcohol in the liquid preparation. So if you create a tincture, you need to make sure that you note that, that it is an alcohol prepared tincture. Number three, recommendations for use. So three Three dropperfuls twice a day with meals, whatever. Number four, the possible side effects, only as it's applicable, right? So here are the records that you need to keep. This is the documentation that you need to keep. You need to keep a, a dispensing record that shows the following information. Number one, the patient's name, date, date of birth, comorbidities, and TCM pattern. Number two, diagnostic information, so tongue and pulse, if available and then vital signs if available and temperature. Number three, their symptoms. So if they have shortness of breath, if they're hot or cold, if it's a cough. So you need to keep all of the symptoms. You need to document number four, current medications, including prescriptions and over-the-counter products. Number five, any known allergies. Number six, the herbal prescription that you dispensed, the ingredients, the dosage, the lot number, and the date that you prescribed. Number seven, the treatment strategy. So in other words, what are you trying to do? Are you clearing heat, resolving damp phlegm in the lung, coursing the chi? What is it that you're doing? Number eight, copy of the a copy of the recommendations for use provided to the patient. That can look actually just quite literally as taking a picture and putting that in your file. So let's talk about production. And I'm only going to touch on this briefly with very basic guidelines because you could this could probably be a whole episode of its own. And if this does interest you, let me know because I'd be happy to do an episode on this. So some of us absolutely, I said this earlier, love making salves and tinctures and liniments and topicals. But the real question is, can you sell these products to mass markets? And mass markets can include Etsy guys or taking them to an herbal shop and selling them that way or the farmer's market, whatever. So the question is, can you open an online store and sell your products? Well, number one, if you want to bulk produce herbal products, you have to follow the CGMP. So like I talked about in the very beginning, you have to follow all of the CGMPs. And that is going to take an initial investment of time and money because first you'll have to take a CGMP course and then you need to develop your templates and procedure and paperwork while making sure that your facility is properly equipped. Or you could just outsource all of that. So if you're creating, number two, if you're creating skincare products, you'll need to follow certain guidelines that would be linked in the show notes. But these are these are guidelines for cosmetics, actually, if it's a skincare product. So you have to be careful because the whole there's a whole other guidelines for cosmetics and skincare. Number three. So I'm going to link some of those guidelines in the show notes if you're interested in taking a look at those. Number three. Here is what you can do. You can sell to your patients. You can make liniments, topicals, and treat your patients. Remember, your insurance covers the scope of practice according to the state, so you need to keep this in mind as a practitioner. Number four, if you want to sell to the masses, you'll have to jump through a bunch of hoops of getting also extra insurance and following production and labeling instructions. So that, again, is a whole other episode. Whew, okay. 
I think that covers everything. So quick recap in this episode, you learned about state requirements as far as licensure. You need to take a look at whether or not your insurance will cover you practicing herbs. You need to be cognizant that if you practice herbs and cross state lines like telehealth situation that you may not be insured. You also, I told you all about labeling and what you need to do as far as the patient's label, and then what you need to do as far as your own documentation in your SOAP notes. And lastly, just things to be aware of if you're going to create products on your own. So that's today's episode. Thanks for listening, you guys. And thank you again to Carrie Guillen for inspiring this episode. We'll catch you next time. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.